You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the US, and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today, I am joined by the lovely Dr. Amy Parks. Uh, She is the owner of the Clinical Supervision Directory. Um, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Julie. I like to be lovely. That's such a nice uh, qualifier. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, I... (laughs) I got to meet you in person at uh, the Not the Typical Psychotherapist Conference in Nashville. And That's I think right. you were lovely. We had a lovely time together. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That was fun. So, Amy, would you tell us just a little bit about you um, and the Clinical Supervision Directory and all the wonderful things? Absolutely. That you do? Absolutely. So, my, I guess my, my other sort of personality is I'm a, an adolescent child and adolescent psychologist. I own a group practice in Northern Virginia, and, um, I'm also the owner of the clinical supervision directory. And we kind of, we kind of call it the CSD for short. And, um, the clinical supervision directory was, uh, and we could talk about it a little bit more, but it was born out of the pandemic. Um, and, uh, it, it is a connection super highway for supervision seekers and supervisors. And so, um, and you know, I know we're going to get into it a little bit more, but it is a national directory that is designed to help connect people that need supervision to supervisors anywhere in the U.S. So it is a really exciting, um, I think, engine for our profession. And I am super enthusiastic about it and love to share it with people. Yeah, so to tell us the story about the pandemic and, and why you started the CSD. Yeah. Well, so I tell people it was either drinking too much or not, or, or like bored, but maybe a little maybe of both, which maybe might've been all of our stories during the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me, but, um, I really sort of started thinking a lot about, um, supervision and, and sort of a little bit more about to my legacy as a clinician. Mm -hmm. I've been in the field for 30 years and I'm a supervisor, clinical supervisor in Virginia. And I really, um, spent a lot of, of contemplative time during the pandemic thinking about, you know, what I was doing as a professional and as a clinician. And I started to kind of look around and think about, you know, how hard, how, how it was for me to find supervision. And I was remembering, you know, kind of how hard it was to find supervision. And I started talking to some of my supervisees and I started talking to other supervisor colleagues and we were all kind of commiserating about, yeah, you know, it's really tough to find supervisors and it, and you have to sort of talk to a friend of a friend of a friend or maybe your employer is a supervisor if you're lucky, or, you know, you find someone out of grad school again, if you're lucky, but you know, the friend of a friend route recommendation wise is how you find a good restaurant. That's not how you find the person who's going to guide your professional career for 200 hours. And so I thought, well, surely someone has solved the problem of, of making it easier to, to, uh, find supervision. And at the state level, states are mandated to credential supervisors, but they're not mandated to provide a list of those supervisors. Got it. Okay. So some of them do, and some of them provide, you know, adequate to more than adequate lists, but the majority of them 
don't, or they're buried so deeply in their websites that they're really difficult to find. Um, if you know what you're looking for, it's okay. But you know, if you've ever used your GPS to get around a city that you've never been to before, you can end up going in circles and circles and circles yeah. and circles to find the place you're going. And so I thought, well, surely again, someone solved this problem, but no one had. And I, I looked really hard. Trust me. I looked super, super hard. Cause I thought, well, I don't want to have to do this. I really don't want to have to solve this problem, but I thought I have to, um, I have to make it easier for students or supervision seekers to find supervision. They need one place to go to find supervisors anywhere in the country in any state. They don't need to be looking at each state website or asking a friend of a friend or, or just trusting the universe to drop a supervisor in their lap. And so I created this one-stop URL. It's kind of like the Tinder of supervision without the dating oh part. <laughs> so we're not, you know, of course, we, you're not allowed to date your supervisor. So that's a big, big no-no. But it's kind of like that where you can go yeah. on the site and you can put in your state and you can put in some parameters like, I need a supervisor that speaks Spanish. Or I need a supervisor that works with kids, or I would like a supervisor that has experience working in private practice or in a hospital setting or has a handicap accessible office. And, you know, like if you live in Virginia and you go to the supervisor list for the state of Virginia, it just gives you a name, an email address, and it used to give you the zip code. I'm not sure if it still does or not. I haven't looked lately, but it used to give you your zip code. And so you have to know a lot about um, you know, people and hope that that person is going to respond to you. So I started it then I mortgaged okay. my house. Speaking of money, I mortgaged my house, Julie, um, and, and then found a developer and started this directory. And here we yeah. are, uh, we here launched we are. July 2021 and we're a year old. Um, and, uh, and we are, um, adding clinical supervisors every day. And we have supervisor supervision seekers looking every day. I love how um, dedicated you are to it. Obviously you mortgage your house. So it shows like how much, just how much you believe in this project and that the world needs it. But what an amazing way to, to be able to connect with that, with a supervisor that is just not just someone that you happen to know or find like by accident, but can really connect with um, like on, on a different level. Well, it needs to be, I feel like it needs to be an intentional process. I mean, obviously, if you get a job where you have a supervisor and that's a person that, you know, you maybe get for free because it's your workplace. I mean, that's fortunate, but it's not always a situation that's a good relationship. You talk to a lot of clinicians where their supervision was really inadequate. And that's not, that's not saying that that's the truth all the time by any stretch. But a lot of times supervision at your workplace is, is lackluster because there's oftentimes a lot of work to be covered that's managerial and not mm -hmm. clinical. And so having the opportunity to work with someone that is meeting your clinical needs is really imperative. And in fact, not just during your supervision years, because every state has different requirements. That's another problem is that our states are so complex that, you know, helping students understand the, the laws and requirements or the regulations and requirements in each state is really complicated. And so having a supervisor that knows those is really key. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so anyway, part of our, our site allows you to click on this uh, picture of your state and you can get to the board, the board sites and the supervision requirements and things like that. Um, but that's really complicated. But, you know, 
you might get lucky and have a great supervisor at your workplace, but a lot of the work you do with that is that supervisor is managerial. And so not just during your supervision years, but beyond that, even when you're a new clinician, you there are still a lot of times when you have clinical questions. Even when you've been in the field for 20 years, you still have clinical questions. You can still go to the clinical supervision directory, the CSD, and find someone who you might want to case consult with, who's in your state or in your area of specialty. For example, say you might have a client, say you've been working in the field for 20 years and you get a client who has a serious maternal health concern, maternal mental health concern, and you want somebody who's an expert in that. You can go in the CSD and search just for that anywhere in the country. Wow. And, and so from a state law perspective or licensing perspective, are you able to consult with people in different states? Absolutely. If you're already licensed, sure. Okay. If okay. you're not licensed yet, you couldn't do that towards your license. But absolutely, if you are already licensed, you should be doing that. That is best practice, Julie. You should not be just, well, I mean, of course you could just wing it, I guess. And you could use the medical mental health university of the internet, um, or you could look things up in your ancient textbooks. But the other thing is, yes, you should case consult with colleagues. That's what we do. Peer case consultation is the gold standard for using the expertise of our colleagues to be able to say, hey, how would you handle this case? What am I not seeing? Where are my biases and blind spots? So that's a really you know, amazing opportunity to be able to say, I can find these experts anywhere in the country now by just going to this one URL. Yeah, that's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so Amy, how do you reconcile the fact that supervision is so important, but you also have to pay for it? So there's this kind of double standard, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm maybe in the, the less lucrative years of my career, but I also feel like I need this. So yeah. how do you think about it? Yeah. Well, it's not always true. As I said before, like sometimes you get a job where your supervision is, is paid for. And so in fact, like I always tell my students, like get a job where your supervision is part of the benefit package. Um, and so look for that. That's certainly a, a big benefit that that employers and group practices can offer is supervision as a part of the benefit package. I think that that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, ask about what are the philosophies of supervision at this practice? What is the supervision going to be like? What can I, what are my expectations? What should be my expectations? Will it be weekly? Is there going to be individual and group? So don't be afraid just because it's quote unquote free or a benefit. Don't be afraid to ask intelligent questions about supervision. Uh -huh. um, but if you don't have it as a benefit, then yes, you're probably going to have to pay for it. $75 an hour to, I don't know, $125 an hour. And so it's a, that's tough for a lot of people to swallow. And yet understand that the, the clinician that you are working with, the supervisor, is not only an experienced clinician who has been in the field for many years, at least a minimum of two years, if not many, many more than that, but has sought out a significant amount of training in not only their clinical field, but in supervision as well at their own time and expense. Yeah. So you're not, you're not getting somebody who is green you're getting someone with significant amounts of clinical experience and support. And in addition to that, you are also working under their liability and license. So they're taking on a responsibility for you, not, not just to you, but for you and your work. So that is a huge 
responsibility for any clinician to carry you. If you go to court, they have to go with you. If you make a, if you make a mistake and you have malpractice suit against you, they're also liable for you. So that's a big risk. So you're also to some extent bankrolling that risk as well. Yeah. And as an accountant, I would say if anytime your risk is increased, you have to get paid for that. And so it makes very much sense from the supervisor right. perspective, like they have right. increased risk, increased work. So they have to get, so it makes sense that they're, they're getting paid. Um, and they're spending can, an hour of time with you yeah, or absolutely. more. And they have to review your notes. They have to sign off on all of your notes. They have to sign off on your diagnoses. They think about you. They think about your cases. I mean, they're not just meeting with you and just forgetting about you. They yeah. are on call for your emergencies. If you have a suicidal patient that needs to be hospitalized, they're on call for those kinds of things. If you call CPS, your supervisor's on call for all of that. So all of that stuff is their responsibility. They don't just say hi, you know, how you doing, but there's a lot involved in supervision. Yeah. A good supervisor does all of those things. And so how can clinicians um, and practice owners grow their businesses by, by adding then interns, residents, supervision, yeah, that's a really interesting question because a lot of a lot of practice owners feel afraid of that. Like they don't understand that they could become to some extent like for lack of a better way of explaining it like teaching practices. But one of the things that we have as clinicians a responsibility to is to growing the field. And if we don't work to grow the field, meaning one of the jobs of the CSD is to get people on the ground trained quickly so they can serve the community. We're in a mental health crisis like we have never seen in the history of our world. And if we don't get more people trained in the field and licensed and boots on the ground, both in schools and outside of schools and around the community, we will continue to see this crisis escalate. And good for us for normalizing mental health care. Absolutely. Good for us. So it's a yeah. double-edged sword. But if we don't start, start getting people trained, we will continue to have this crisis and we will continue to have, have, have crisis after crisis after crisis and emergencies. And so we need to start seeing these group practices as being also training places. And so when you bring an intern and or a resident on, then it's, it becomes a great opportunity to also expand your caseload while also training up your current staff in supervision. So you're, you're bringing the team into the dream because you're growing your caseload. You're growing your training and leadership as a group practice, but you're also serving your community more because you can offer potentially lower price services for your residents, but you're also training people you're tr and you're growing your leadership base. So it's really a win, win, win for everyone because you're creating this funnel of people that can move through your practice and bring in revenue for your practice. Again, grow leadership and serve your community in a, at a variety of price points. So I just can't think of it as any, their potential losses. I mean, again, there's risk um, and there's work, but I think the reward is great. Yeah. And we're actually seeing it much easier to hire right now, um, hire interns or provision, anyone who's provisionally licensed. That's much, much, much easier to, to hire right now than someone yeah. who's fully licensed, right? Because totally. someone fully I would, licensed. I would hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I'm desperate to hire in my group practice, desperate. And I can't find, <laughs> I can't even find residents right now, but um, I, I would, I would hundred percent agree with that. 
Yeah. Absolutely. The, the other benefit I would say is they typically come in at a lower rate uh, or mm-hmm. so that's, right. that's typically what we see because again, because you are, ha- the, the group practice is having to, to provide supervision in most cases, right. It's mm-hmm. going to provide that. So it makes sense for them to come in at a lower rate. They also have less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the, the great ways to like kind of manage payroll costs as mm-hmm. well. Of mm-hmm. course, there is more work involved, but like it, it, it kind of helps make all the money work. So um, we've actually seen some of our clients with the most, most growth in the last 12 months are uh, really focusing on, on hiring interns. So yeah. And they're absolutely, and they're wonderful ways to work in, you know, incentives to provide supervision and, and ways to keep people on board afterwards and to, and to reward loyalty and people to stay on and paying back supervision if they leave. I mean, there are lots of ways to work that out. So um, super benefits. And, and when you bring supervisors on, um, you know, we encourage you to join the CSD because it, uh, we can also feature your practice, we can feature your supervisors, and we can help you actually recruit, recruit employees to your practice through the CSD because people go search the CSD, then they see your supervisors are in your practice. This has happened for several practices who are in the CSD who have a, like a, a team of clinicians in the CSD. They Got see it. that you're hiring or they contact one supervisor in your practice, they hear that you're hiring and then they come on board as an employee. So that's happened several times to several practices in our, in our directory. Um, that sounds like a great alternative to Indeed because that has <laughs> been, that has been pretty rough recently, right? Yeah. And yeah. so who is the main uh, user of the CSD as far as someone who's looking for supervision? Are they just out of school? Um, yeah, so the main user, so there are two user groups of the CSD. So the, the user that's free is the supervision seeker. And those are clinicians. Those are people that are just graduating from their master's program. So right now they are probably maybe just getting off their parents' couches because they've just finished <laughs> recovering from graduation and finishing okay. up their master's degrees. And they've done some beach time. And now they're really trying to figure out getting serious about finding a job. Um, and so now they're just starting to seek um, supervision and figure out what they're going to do in the fall. Um, so post-internship, post-graduation, um, those kinds of people. And then the supervisors are those people who are uh, certified or um, credentialed in their states as supervisors throughout the states throughout the country, um, 50 plus DC, so 51 states. And um, they are, they pay a, a fee. We have a monthly fee and an annual fee to be listed in the directory. And they create a profile in our directory that gives all the details, including a beautiful opportunity for a photo, a map to their office, a link to their URL and all of their social media. And then we do a ton of featuring of those clinicians. We have a newsletter. We have a a, a really beautiful onboarding sequence for both of those that give lots of really great inside information on how to be a supervision seeker and how to look for the right kind of supervisor and how to be a supervisor. And then in addition to all that, Julie, in the background, we also offer CEs in supervision and ethics, which oh, are wow. both things, especially ethics. Everyone needs, most states require a minimum of two, most often three CEs in ethics every year. So we offer CEs in both supervision and ethics all year round annually. So some, some, um, some of the um, opportunity, there are some often opportunities for free CEs in ethics through the CSD. You just have to kind of pay attention to when we have like a pop-up sale 
but we often offer um, also free webinars and things like that that give you CEs as well. So lots of things happening um, with us. And those people that teach those CEs are paid faculty that are supervisors in the CSD. Got it. Okay. So, so lots of, lots of opportunities all around. Before, before we end, I do want to ask about if, if subject matter experts might be able to, to benefit financially from the CSD as well, someone who's highly specialized. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of another area where we, we were talking about earlier, like if you had a question about say maternal mental health or EMDR, or you had a specialist, you needed a specialist in an LGBTQ related issue or in um, transition um, in a transition issue between um, a gender transition issue or something like that. Yes. So a a subject matter specialist might join the CSD because they would want to be a peer case consultation subject matter provider. And so that's an area that we're starting to develop just for that purpose. And so that would be another area to, to come into. And they would also be invited to be a faculty member to provide CEs in their subject matter because they would be uh, someone who could supervise uh, peers in those particular areas. So that would be something we would be looking for. We're always looking for faculty members. Okay. Yeah. And so are you seeing um, group practices or even solo practices adding um, either subject matter expert uh, training or supervision as just a, an additional income stream? Definitely supervision for sure. Okay. Um, not okay. necessarily subject matter is experts, but but some definitely that are like group practice experts or uh, or like not group practice, but group experts or EMDR for sure, play therapy. So yeah, actually, now that I think about it, maybe yes, um, but definitely supervision as an additional income stream for sure. Um, so uh, that is something that I'm definitely seeing as a, as a growing area. Yes. Some okay. states don't necessarily allow that, some certifications don't necessarily allow you to charge. Some certifications or some licensure levels only allow you to have a certain number. There are different state requirements, as we know, in each state. So you need to check your state requirements for sure before you move into any direction with adding or you know changing up your systems. But we try to have a link on, on our site to every state's requirements for that. And certainly you can always reach out to us at the CSD or on our social media to ask any questions. We try to be um, knowledgeable about every state's requirements. We spent almost a year doing all the research on every state's licensure requirements for supervision before we even launched. So I think- it Sounds like like a ridiculous amount of work. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I know how almost every state in the country, I think I know how every state in the country, I can access how every state in the country does everything um, within about 10 minutes of asking, being asked, maybe five. I'm impressed. <laughs> I, can, I don't consider, have it memorized, oh, but I can, I can access the uh, information probably within five minutes of being asked. So that's, I think that's pretty darn good <laughs> without yeah, Googling I, it. How about that? <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Um, all right, Amy, I asked every guest that favorite book and uh-huh. or business book and why. So I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. What would you, what's your answer? Actually, that's super easy. Um, Atomic Habits. Um, Atomic Habits. Uh, James my, Clear? Yeah, James Clear. My favorite, favorite book. Um, mostly because I'm a brain nerd. Um, my my um, 
my like alter ego is a, as, as, is as a brain enthusiast. My, my doctorate is as a, uh, I have a, have a specialty in neuroscience. And so, um, atomic habits is my absolute favorite book. I've read it probably, I don't know, nine times, I guess. Um, I just really believe in the power of, um, paying attention to your intention. And I believe really in the power of, uh, the reticular activation system and, and what creating a habit can do for your success. So I would strongly recommend atomic habits. One of my favorite books as well, I would say, um, it, what, one of my big takeaways was just a small shift, right? Like just yes. someone who sticks with it, small shift, like yeah, it, 2%. Makes, it really makes a very big difference yes. long-term. So that yes. was my, that was my takeaway yes. from that book. Yes. All right, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I encourage anyone who's providing supervision, just go to the CSD.com, the hyphen CSD.com. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. The hyphen CSD.com or clinical supervision directory.com, but everyone spells clinical wrong. So that's why we came up with the shortcut, but clinical uh, supervision directory.com. So either one of those will work. And I mean, it's a really, really affordable way to get listed, to find, uh, so that great supervisees can find you. And also as a recruitment tool. Yeah. I think that's a really important one too. So Amy, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Julie. It was great seeing you. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.